Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Get into it! He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. What's up, losers, and welcome to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom. My name's Andrew Bascom, and for 123 episodes, we've helped you lose money on everything. We're a sports gambling podcast where we lose as many bets as possible in about 20-ish minutes. On this episode, we will be discussing our favorite ways to lose money on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, that makes sense. Only so much time left here on that one. The UFC fight night and Elvis? Hmm, interesting. And of course, a recap and record check at the end of the show. Three bets this week. Let's get on to bet number one. The Stanley Cup Finals. The Colorado Avalanche have a chance to clinch their first Stanley Cup since 2001 when they welcomed the Tampa Bay Lightning to Ball Arena for Game 5 on Friday. Can Colorado end it on home ice, or will Tampa Bay stay alive? Oh boy. The Avalanche opened as a favorite for the fifth straight game, coming in at a minus 160 on the money line, with the Lightning getting a plus 140 on the road. The total was set at 6, with that over going 7-2 and two in their last nine meetings between the two clubs. Colorado is 8-1 and one in its last nine games, with its only loss coming in Game 3. So it's hard to doubt Colorado, right? You know, it was a poetic win for the Avalanche in Game 4. Kadri, who had missed the, the four prior contests with a thumb surgery, scored the overtime winner to put Colorado within one victory of its third Stanley Cup in franchise history. Nathan McKinnon also collected his first goal of the series, kind of surprisingly, while Andrew Cogliano played the unlikely hero by scoring the game-tying goal in the third period. Darcy Kemper also made 37 saves in the win. The series now shifts back to Colorado, where the Avalanche have not lost since they suffered an overtime defeat to St. Louis in Game 5 of the second round. Of the second round. The Avalanche are averaging a whopping 5.4 goals per game over the last five contests at Ball Arena, so there's a good chance that they end in the home crowd, right? Because what happened in Game 4? The Lightning had a chance to tie the series at two games apiece. But Wednesday, and they fell in a 3-2 overtime goal that John Cooper clearly hinted uh, should not have counted, and a lot of people feel like if not, it should have counted because of a too many men on the ice uh, call in overtime. Now, I will say to you at home, do you want hockey to have more video review or less video review? Do you want this game that's all about speed and action to have more time with referees who have high school educations looking into a box trying to decide something? That's not for me to decide. It's, and whether you're, if you're upset and you lost money on that, you'd be upset. Of course, you should think, oh, more video review. We need more video review because we want the right call to be made. But look at some other sports that have adopted tons of video review. Like, I think of basketball, I love basketball, but God damn it, every two minutes they're talking at the bench and it's like, really? This, this fun, fast game, we're just like slowing down tremendously. Now, I understand the stakes cannot be higher. It's an overtime goal of a Stanley Cup Finals game. So maybe this is the time you do review it to make it right. Just, you know, have a moment with yourself in self-respect. Well, you're going to look back and go like, should I, do I want more video review or less review? Think about that when you think about this cadre goal. That's, a, that's all I'm going to say. Sorelli also put Tampa Bay on the board with 36 seconds into the game. A dream start for Tampa Bay, right? After the Avalanche tied it up in the second, Victor Hedman scored a goal to put it on top again. Colorado tied it again in the third, though, and the rest was history. Vasilevsky has been incredibly strong, and I want to hear nothing about, you know, his, uh, you know, the Kadri goal or anything like that. He's been incredible. He stopped 34 or 37 shots again. The Avalanche were just simply too much to handle in the extra frame as they outshot the Lightning 10 to 3 on the route to victory. Tampa Bay, which had won eight straight games at their home arena, suffered its first home loss since game three in the first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which, by the way, are still the only team to take Tampa to seven games. I just wanted to, just wanted to make that just incredibly clear. Um, 
the Toronto Maple Leafs, oof, other than the Colorado Avalanche, I think they're going to come in third. I think based on everything, I just, I don't know. I don't know how it works, you know, metal wise. I don't know what kind of metal they get for it, but you know, I think they're just, oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs look really good because of how good Tampa's played. I wish I believed half of what I just said. Here's the thing. How do you not take the Colorado Avalanche at minus 170? How do you not think the Colorado is going to win? And here's the thing. Not think that they're going to win. Not think that they're going to smoke Tampa. Tampa has had so many games where they should have won. This, this last game, no way at home scoring up, you know, scoring 37 seconds into the game. You know, immediately taking the lead in the second period again. And somehow losing? Again? I just don't know how you don't think the Colorado Avalanche are so clearly the best team in the league and deserve to win the Stanley Cup. So I'm going to be taking them at minus 170. I'm going to take them easily at minus 170. And here's another one. I think the Colorado wins big. I like Colorado by two and a half goals at plus 250. That's how much I really like this. Doesn't this feel like a five or six to one game where they start celebrating halfway through the second period? Stanley Cup's in the building. You're looking at it the whole time. The fans are going crazy, you know, filling themselves with beer. And the whole night is a celebration. That's what I could see that night being. Yes, Tampa's also won two straight Stanley Cups, so they could ruin it for us. But I don't imagine it's another like, Colorado just stays close, just stays close, just stays close and go to overtime. I see it being a Colorado just swamping. So I'm going to take Colorado minus two and a half at plus 250. And yes, I'm going to be taking the minus 170 because I'm not an idiot. And that's bet number one. Let's go on to bet number two. UFC Fight Night. So as I hear from some of you, I, I get that some of you really love that we bet on the UFC every weekend. That's awesome. And then I get other people who are like, I could care less about the UFC. So I'm going to find a way to compromise between these two things and saying there is almost a UFC card every week, which is great during the summer, which is something we're going to talk about in a second here. But if you don't like it, it's a huge skip. So here's what I'm going to do. This is the compromise. I'm going to definitely be taking a bet from every Fight Night card, and I'm going to be betting on it. But I'm not going to bake the whole episode a whole thing about, here's the seven bets that I really like from a UFC Fight Night with people you'll never hear of ever again. So here's what we're going to do. My favorite bet for this card is going to be between Neil Magny and Rachmanov. It's the co-main event. It's welterweight fight. Uh, veteran Neil Magny at a plus 300 takes on a relative newcomer in Rachmanov at minus 400. Magny enters the octagon for the second time this year and vying for a four straight victory. Whereas Rachmanov is coming off a crushing first round KO over Carlston Harris at UFC Vegas 47 and now looks to his extent his completely unblemished pro MMA career, not pro UFC career, pro MMA career to 16-0. and Ooh. See, Neil Magny, veteran, everyone knows him. 28 UFC contests since 2013. Wow, that's a lot of fights. And victories in five of his last six outings. He has seen 16 of his 26 career fights go the distance, including a UFC record 12 wins by decision as a Walter Wade, which is incredible because if you remember, George St. Pierre was a Walter Wade too. See, Rachmanov on the other side, he's more of a mysterious figure. He has just three UFC fights under his belt, which brings his impressive credentials to the octagon. He is a former WMMAA Asian and world champion, and he's also a former Kazmav and M1 Walter Waite champion as well. He's the first Kazakh fighter to sign a contract with the UFC and his career opening 15-0 run that features nine wins inside of five minutes. That includes eight wins by KO and TKO and seven by submission. That's in the first five minutes. That's just nuts. Rachmanov has also been keeping opposing strikers at bay through his first three UFC fights, absorbing just 25 total significant strikes in those contests. I just want to say that again. First three UFC fights, only 25 significant strikes. These, these have just been hot knife through butter type fights here. See, now I think Rachmanov is going to win. Why wouldn't I? So does, the, so, does, so does the UFC. So does the odds makers. Minus 400. But I don't want to touch that minus 400. Minus 400 sucks. So if you like Rachmanov, like I do, and just heard what I said about Magni, absolutely love 
loved going to the judges. He loves talking to the judges. If he doesn't see the judges, he misses the judges. Sees how they're doing. Then you should take the under two and a half rounds like I am at minus 140. It's like a bet for Rachmanov, but it's just better odds. Also, if Magni like somehow shocks the world, knocks him out or something like that, you get that as well. But just thinking that the total fight will go under two and a half rounds, I love that bet. That's absolutely what we should be doing. So this is what we're going to be doing. Under two and a half rounds for Rachmanov and Magni. And I'm going to throw in two more bets just in 10 seconds here. Josh Parisian at minus 120 and over one and a half rounds. And then we're also going to be taking uh, Gamrot in the main event at plus 210. We're going to take the underdog and the under four and a half rounds. So there you go. I threw in some extra bets at the end there. But, you know, we're not going to dominate this whole episode with, uh, with UFC. Until next week, which I'll talk about later. Let's go into bet number three. Domestic box office bets. What did he just say? What are we trying here? Okay, so we're going to be trying something a little different in the summer, okay? As a part of the ethos of this podcast, we are going to gamble on non-typical things, right? That's what we've always said. Now, I'm going to give out picks to the Stanley Cup playoffs, which I just did, and some big men slapping meat, which we just did. So, like, we want to throw in some atypical stuff as well. Now, we don't have Cubby coming on to break down our favorite bets for Big Brother Season 24, but we are going to be betting on the box office. So, it's been one of my favorite small bets to make over the last couple of months. As more sports books have been opening in Ontario, where I live, uh, there's more variance in the bets that you can be making. So I've been betting on the box office for the last couple of months, and I wanted to make sure I got a handle on it before I subject all you losers to it. But we're going to be betting the over and under first weekend domestic, yes, meaning America, returns on a certain movie. It's either this or we talk about baseball for 10 weeks. Or Big Brother. Your call. You let me know. Okay, so this week, the box office it is, and our first movie is Elvis. And the over-under, $32 million. This week in Elvis, a life-spanning biopic of Elvis Presley opens in theaters in North America, and this has got to be one of the biggest spectacle films of 2022. Baz Luhrmann has not made a film in almost a decade since The Great Gatsby Adaptation, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's taking one of the most iconic figures in Americana ever, Elvis Presley. See, your temperature for Luhrmann's films might sway. Mine does. Some are cultural icons, like Moulin Rouge or uh, the Romeo and Juliet adaptation, which is, by the way, my favorite telling of that story. Come at me, but the soundtrack's unbelievable, so it's just amazing. But there are also some serious duds, like Australia and The Great Gatsby, which also made me think he didn't read the book. Like, I honestly don't think he understood the book, but whatever. Honestly, though, but when he, d- he does open movies, he does, his movies do well. People like this visual appeal. And whether the movies are good or not, people definitely see trailers and then go, Oh, wow. Look at that. See, like, people love seeing them. The, the two flops that I just said are bad movies that I just spoke of, Great Gatsby in Australia, made $353 million and $215 million, respectively. All of his films are just so flashy. You know, and they're incredibly visual-driven. They're like feature-length music videos. And with Elvis having a runtime of two hours and 40 minutes, oh, my God. In the, long t- in the words of our longtime guest, Late Night, woof. These, this is the longest music video you're ever going to... You're simultaneously, like a lot of his movies, I'm simultaneously bored and exhausted because you're just like visually, you're like, what? Uh, Everything's happening. Everything's happening. But at the same time, you're like, I can't wait to get out of here. See, Austin Butler plays Elvis and he's a relative unknown, maybe, you know, best known for uh, playing Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So he's not a big star. He won't draw, right? Unlike his heavily prosthetic, baffling accented co-star, Tom Hanks, who is one of the biggest draws in movie history. He's playing Colonel Tom Parker, one of the biggest influences in Elvis's life, who found him and became his longtime manager. Yeah, so for Tom Hanks, you can point at Saving Private Ryan. You can save it big or Forrest Gump, whereas all of his movies make a ton of money, and you think, well, he's not that star anymore, right? You know, that that time has passed for Tom Hanks. 
Movies don't work the same way. Now, that's kind of true, but not as much as you think. He's seemingly the only person left that can make adult dramas. Not based on IP or, you know, whatever, like a comic book movie or anything like that. He's not like he's making Force Gump 2 and it made a billion dollars or something like that. He still makes adult dramas, like Sully making $238 million. Bridge of Spies making 162. The Post, 179. Captain Phillips with 220. Now, on top of that, not mentioning he's maybe the voice of the most lucrative franchises in film history with Toy Story. Austin Butler won't put butts in seats, but Tom Hanks, even under all those prosthetics and crazy gold member accent, might? Might? I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I think even with the reviews not being that great and two hours and 40 minutes, good God, I'm going to take the over $32 million for this first weekend and see how we're going to do here. I like this. This is going to be something I'm going to do all the time, so you better... You better strap in and get ready for it. Because over under box office is just, I got to predict that, that people want to see Austin Butler, that people care about Elvis. And here's the other thing. We're doing domestic for this one just because it's so much easier and the reporting is so much easier. It also comes out all in the same weekend. We could do international, but then it would take like a month to tell. And, you know, like, I don't know. Do you have the patience for that? Also, the international thing, very odd. Elvis never performed internationally. He only performed domestically. He performed in Canada three times and everything else was in America his whole life. I thought that was very odd. So, he is one of the biggest figures of Americana ever, and I wonder how that translates to Europe and Asia and Australia and Africa and all the other kind of things as well. Also, Elvis probably attracting an older crowd, a crowd that still would go to the theaters, right? Hmm, I don't know. This could be fun. Over 32 million. You let me know what you think on that one. Let's go to the recap. Recap. Okay, these are going to be the five weirdest bets I've ever put together here, but Colorado Avalanche, minus 170, and the Colorado Avalanche, minus two and a half at plus 250. We're going to take the Magni Rachmanov under two and a half rounds at minus 140. We're going to take Parisian minus 120 and over one and a half rounds minus 180. We're going to take Gamrot plus 210 at under four and a half rounds in the main event at minus 105. And then we're going to be taking Elvis over 32 million. There you go. Just natural groupings of things to say out loud. Record check. Okay, record check. Last week, episode 122 was about the US Open. And we had. Charlie Chalk on to make his bets, and I'll let you know, Charlie Chalk, he did okay. He did okay. He lost a little bit of money, but he did okay. He had Xander Shoffley at plus 2,200. He tied for 14th, which is not winning. John Rahm at plus 1,400. He tied for 12th, also not winning. And JT, his favorite bet at plus 1,200, tied for 37th. Ah, but you know what he did win on? Phil Mickelson <laughs> missing the cut. We, honest to God, that the second it came out of his mouth, I was like, oh yeah, we got a better life savings on that. Like, that's definitely going to happen. And it did, because karma is amazing. As for my bets, I bet a lot. But it's, it's going to get somewhere, I promise. I took Pereira to be the first round leader. He missed the cut. He had a 70 on the first day. That did not come close. I had uh, Adrianus uh, for a top 30. He missed the cut. Stallings, top 40, missed the cut. Young, to win, plus 6,500, missed the cut. Daniel Berger, who Charlie Chalk definitely derided me on and said, there's no hope he's going to finish top five. He missed the cut. So uh, way to go, Charlie. You got that one. Shane Lowry, my favorite pick to win at plus 3,000. Missed the cut. That's it for the miss the cuts, okay? I I promise, it gets better from here. Justin Rose to win at plus 8,000, tied for 37th. Okay, we're warming up a little bit. Max Homa for uh, top 10, tied for 47th. Okay, maybe we're not. Aaron Wise at plus 300 for a top 20 and tied for 27th. Okay, and now this is where it gets kind of fun. Going into the final day, it was between Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick. Uh, There were some people on the outside as well with Sky Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. And you know what made me feel really good? I had all four of those guys. I had Rory McIlroy to win at plus 1,100. He tied for fifth. Sky Scheffler to win at plus 1,400, tied for second. And Will Zalatoris at plus 3,000, tied for second to win. 
Ah, oh, that was a heartbreak for me because he just misses that putt on 18 to take it in overtime. But I don't care because I had Matt Fitzpatrick plus 3,000 to win. And we won, baby. Who cares about the record? I only won one of those uh, 13, 12 bets or whatever it is. But who cares? Because we are up 18 units on the U.S. Open with a plus 3,000 winner. Oh, God. That feels so good to be so cocky and so arrogant about that because I lose so often. So, yes, we had Matt Fitzpatrick, a plus 3,000 to win. I cannot wait to talk about the British Open soon. We'll probably have Charlie Chalk back on to do it because we're on a winning streak, baby. That's a winning streak. Now, let's go over to At Losing Money WAB, where I'm definitely going to have just a bucket of cold water just poured right all over me, right? That's our free daily picks that we make on Twitter and Instagram. And we went 15 and 9 this week, which is plus 3.5 units. Uh oh. We won on both places. This, whew, this week's picks are going to be devastating when we lose all of them. So, as a total, we won 21 and a half units this week. Oh my goodness. That's got to be one of the biggest weeks we've ever had. I'm going to send our crack research team on this one. That's got to be one of the biggest weeks, right? Jesus. That being said, we are definitely going to lose money on the Stanley Cup playoffs, UFC Fight Night, and Elvis somehow. Subscribe to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom wherever you enjoy podcasts, and please give a subscribe and like to at Losing Money WAB on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you decide to waste your time, and we decide to win money. Jesus Christ. We'll be back on Friday next week to lose money on UFC 276. Have fun losing money. We'll see you later, losers. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!